All right. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome you to today's episode of Bible News Radio. I am your sweet and lovable host, and I am really glad that you are joining us this week for today's show. You know what? I want to thank you, first of all, because I know that there's a gazillion podcasts out there that you could be watching. You can, you know, you well, that you could be watching and listening to. And I want to thank you for taking the time to tune into what we do, because, you know, it means a lot to us that that you actually uh, take the time to tune into what we do. You know, one thing I would love for you to do, if you're watching us on YouTube or any of the other video platforms, feel free to leave us a comment. Make sure you subscribe to the show, hit the like button. And if you like, share it out, because you know what? A little validation goes a long way, and um, and I just want to say thank you for that. Also, don't forget, you can go over to our main website, BibleNewsRadio.com, which will also flip over to HeartTug.org. Either one of those URLs will bring you to the same place, and you can learn a lot more about what we do there. We actually have a couple of main things we focus on here. Uh, unlike other Christian media quote, podcasts or radio shows, you know, one of the things, most of our ministry is not done here. Most of the ministry that we do is in other areas, whether it's leading a Bible study uh, or Bible reading accountability group or counseling, uh, most of what we do is actually not here in this hour that we are spending with you. But this hour, to me, is kind of like a little peek into the world of, um, you know, trying to look at things from a Christian, biblical, conservative worldview. And so with that said, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at some issues that are happening in the news. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't normally, I haven't talked a lot about these issues in a very long time. Uh, But there are so many exploding issues having to do with uh, with the homosexual agenda and all the stuff going on in Canada uh, and other things that I ju- I can't ignore it. I can't. I just, so I have to talk about it. So, but first, we're going to do a couple things. First, we're going to read from the Word of God. I'm going to share a couple thoughts with you, and then I'm going to read you a story from Hans Christian Andersen. And I think it's very appropriate for today. You may have heard of it. If not, it will be the first time you get to hear hear from it. So. But first, you know, I want to let you know, I've been reading in Ecclesiastes. You know, everybody's like, oh, that book is so depressing. <laughs> it's, it's really not. It's actually a very good book. When you think about the fact that, that Solomon wrote this book, right? He is the wisest person on the planet who has ever lived, right? God gave him amounts, an inordinate amount of wisdom. And here's what he said in the first couple of verses. And then I'm going to share with you a couple of thoughts. So Solomon wrote, There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart, and a time to sew together, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Have you ever thought about these things? Recently, I was reading this, and, um, you know, not only today was I reading it, but I was actually reading this recently because um, I just felt like it. (laughs) And it struck me that I don't think I've ever heard a series on just a time, uh, a time to, and listed all these different things. But today, one of the things I wanted to bring out was four of these a times. So, and I think it's, there's an interesting... Uh, progression in here. So number one, a time to die. 
So we have a time to die, a time to weep, a time to mourn, and a time to give up as lost. Um, and I thought, you know what, if anyone in the world who ever under who lived, whoever understood these things, it would be Solomon. You know, he was the wisest man to ever live. Yeah, in all of his wisdom, in all of his riches, in all of his possessions, in all of the women and you know he had in his life, he could not escape any of these things. He could not escape death. He couldn't escape weeping, he couldn't ex escape mourning, and he couldn't escape losing things or to give up things as lost. I think that most people do their best to try to escape these things as well. Not many people watch enjoy, enjoy watching somebody die, just as an example. Most hide when they weep. Most people don't like people to see them cry. Mourning is often done in isolation, and especially in our culture, nobody likes to actually give you even time off to do it. Um, and the effects of giving up something or losing something um, that, that is often long-lasting, and our culture doesn't like to um, kind of look at this stuff because in some ways we live in a culture that promotes uh, uh, what I refer to and many others do as uh, toxic positivity. You know, um, if, if every, everything's good all the time, if you're a Christian, life is perfect all the time, you know, you might hear that other places. But we must consider, and I wrote this, we must consider our creator and what he can teach us through all of the above. So did Yeshua deal with death? Yeah, he did. He conquered death, in fact. He conquered death on the cross. Uh, and he died for our sin. He rose again three days later. And he lives because he lives, you know, as that old hymn, you know, speaks, we can face tomorrow. Did he weep? Yes. Yeshua wept. He wept when his friend Lazarus died. But that wasn't the only place he wept. In scripture, we also see him weeping in the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane. He wept before the Lord. And he um, said that, um, you know, uh, he wept before the Lord, and he and he said that he, um, you know, not not my will, but yours be done. And so there's many things that we can learn from him. Uh, and also, when did he mourn? Because he did mourn. And I really do think if you really go through the Word of God and you look at Christ and what he did, he lived a life of ongoing mourning. In fact, if you not only look in the Gospels, but you look in Isaiah 53, the Bible says that he was a man of sorrows. He was, a, he was acquainted with grief. Grief accompanies, you know, mourning accompanies grief. And he gets that. And what did he lose? And what did he give up as lost? I would say that if we look at worldly standards, Christ didn't have anything, right? He gave up everything. Um, he had no place to lay his head, yet he laid down his life for our sake. And so I just want to encourage you because I know some of you are going through a really big time of loss right now, as I am, you know, um, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough that, um, um, you know, that that happens. So I think that, um, we can just meditate and ruminate on some of these things that we don't normally think about. You know, there is a time for these things under heaven. There's a season. And I personally believe that you and I, if we embrace these things and we allow God to work in us in that season, then what we can do is we can grow and we, we become more like Christ during that season. And we learn some, we learn some things. So, um, so I just wanted to share that with you today. I also wanted to start out the show by reading a classic children's parable. Um, and I've been thinking a lot about this um, because of what we're going to talk about in the news. And so I want you to kick back a minute as I read to you the emperor's new clothes. Now, some of you are like, what? The emperor's new clothes. I've never heard of that. Some of you are like, wow, the emperor's new clothes. I've totally heard of that. Um, Hans Christian Andersen is the author of this. And this was written many years ago. 
And I want you to pay attention to it because I think it's a parable for our day that often gets overlooked. It begins this way. This is going to take a couple of minutes, so just kick back here, take a drink of your drink, and, and enjoy the story here. Many years ago, there was an emperor so exceedingly fond of new clothes that he spent all his money on being well-dressed. He cared nothing about reviewing his, his soldiers going to the theater or going for a ride in his carriage except to show off his new clothes. He had a coat for every hour of the day, and instead of saying, as one might about any other ruler, the kings in council, here they always said, the emperors in his, the emperors in his dressing room. In the great city where he lived, life was always gay. That means happy in this context, just so you know. Every day, many strangers came to town, and among them one day came two swindlers. They let it be known they were weavers, and they said they could weave the most magnificent fabrics imaginable. Not only were their colors and patterns uncommonly fine, but clothes made of this cloth had a wonderful way of becoming invisible to anyone who was unfit for his office or who was unusually stupid. Keep that in mind. Those would be just the clothes for me, thought the emperor. If I wore them, I would be able to discover which men in my empire are unfit for their posts, and I could tell the wise men from the fools. Yes, I certainly must get some of the stuff woven for me right away. He paid the two swindlers a large sum of money to start work at once. They set up two looms and pretended to weave, though there was nothing on the looms. All the finest silk and the purest old thread which they demanded went into their traveling bags while they worked the empty looms far into the night. I'd like to know how those weavers are getting on with the cloth, the emperor thought. But he felt slightly uncomfortable when he remembered that those who were unfit for their position would not be able to see the fabric. It couldn't have been that he doubted himself, yet he thought he'd rather send someone else to see how things were going. The whole town knew about the cloth's particular power, or peculiar power, and all were impatient to find out how stupid their neighbors were. I'll send my honest old minister to the weavers, the emperor decided. He'll be the best one to tell me how the material looks, for he's a sensible man, and no one does his duty better. Remember, this is the minister. So the honest old minister went to the room where the two swindlers sat working away at their empty looms. Heaven help me, he thought as his eyes flew wide open. I can't see anything at all, but he did not say so. Both the swindlers begged him to be so kind as to come near to approve the excellent pattern, the beautiful colors. They pointed to the empty looms and the poor old minister stared as hard as he dared. He couldn't see anything because there was nothing to see. Heaven have mercy, he thought. Can it be that I'm a fool? I'd have never guessed it, and not a soul must know. Am I unfit to be the minister? It would never do to let on that I can't see the cloth. Don't hesitate to tell us what you think of it, said one of the weavers. Oh, it's beautiful. It's enchanting, the old minister peered through his spectacles. Such a pattern. What colors? I'll be sure to tell the emperor how delighted I am with it. We're pleased to hear that, the swindlers said. They proceeded to name all the colors and to explain the intricate pattern. The old minister paid the closest attention so that he could tell it all to the emperor, and so he did. The swindlers at once asked for more money, more silk, and gold thread to get on with the weaving, but it all went into their pockets. Not a thread went into the looms, though they worked at their weaving as hard as ever. The emperor presently sent another trustworthy official to see how the work progressed and how soon it would be ready. The same thing happened to him, and that happened to the minister. He looked and he looked, but as there was nothing to see in the looms, he couldn't see anything. Isn't it a beautiful piece of goods? The swindlers asked him as they displayed and described their imaginary pattern. I know I'm not stupid, the man thought. So it must be that I'm unworthy of my good office. That's strange. I mustn't let anyone find it out, though. 
So he praised the material he did not see. He declared he was delighted with the beautiful colors and the exquisite pattern. To the emperor, he said, it held me spellbound. All the town was talking of this splendid cloth, and the emperor wanted to see it for himself while it was still in the looms, attended by a band of chosen men, among whom were his two old trusted officials, the ones who had been to the weavers, he sent out to see the two swindlers. He found them weaving with might and main, but without a thread in their looms. Magnificent, said the two officials, already duped. Just look, your majesty, what colors, what a design. They pointed to the empty looms, each supposing that the others could see the stuff. What's this, thought the emperor. I can't see anything. This is terrible. Am I a fool? Am I unfit to be the emperor? What a thing to happen to me of all people. Oh, it's very pretty, he said. It has my highest approval. And he nodded. Uh, approbation at the empty loom. Nothing can make him say that he couldn't see anything. His whole retune stared and stared. One saw no more than another, but they all joined the emperor and, and exclaiming, oh, it's very pretty. And they advised him to wear clothes made of this wonderful cloth, especially for the great procession he was soon to lead. Magnificent, excellent, unsurpassed were bandied from mouth to mouth, and everyone did his best to seem well pleased. The emperor gave each of the swindlers a cross to wear in his buttonhole and the title of Sir Weaver. Before the procession, the swindlers sat up all night and burned more than six candles to show how busy they were finishing the emperor's new clothes. They pretended to take the cloth off the loom. They made cuts in the air with huge scissors, and at last they said, Now the emperor's new clothes are ready for him. Then the emperor himself came with his noblest noblemen, and the swindlers each raised an arm as if they were holding something. They said, these are the trousers, here's the coat, and this is the mantle, naming each garment. All of them are as light as a spider web. One would almost think he had nothing on, but that's what makes them so fine. Exactly, all the noblemen agreed, though they could see nothing, for there was nothing to see. If your imperial majesty will condescend to take your clothes off, said the swindlers, we will help you on with your new ones here in front of the long mirror. The emperor undressed and the swindlers pretended to put his new clothes on him, one garment after another. They took him around the waist and seemed to be fastening something that was his train as the emperor turned around and around before the looking glass. How well your majesty's new clothes look. Aren't they becoming? He heard on all sides. That pattern so perfect. Those clothes, colors so suitable. It's a magnificent outfit. Then the minister of public processions announced, Your majesty's canopy is waiting outside. Well, I'm supposed to be ready, the emperor said, and turned again for one last look in the mirror. It is a remarkable fit, isn't it? He seemed to regard his costume with the greatest interest. The noblemen who were to carry his train stooped low and reached for the floor as if they were picking up his mantle. Then they pretended to lift and hold it high. They didn't dare admit they had nothing to hold. So off went the emperor in procession under his splendid canopy. Everyone in the streets and the windows said, Oh, how fine are the emperor's new clothes. Don't they fit him to perfection and see his long train? Nobody would confess that he couldn't see anything, for that would prove him either unfit for his position or a fool. No costume the emperor had worn before was ever such a complete success. But he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. Did you ever hear such innocent prattle, said its fa father. And one person whispered to another what the child had said. He hasn't anything on. A child says he hasn't anything on. But he hasn't got anything on, the whole town cried out at last. The emperor shivered, for he suspected they were right. But he thought, this procession has got to go on and on. So he walked more proudly than ever as his noblemen held high the train that wasn't there at all.
the end. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, we hear this, we hear this, this, you know, we hear this phrase all the time, the emperor has no clothes. Um, and, and I, I often talk about this parable, this phrase with some friends of mine regarding the, the homosexual agenda and in particular the issue of being a transgender individual. Um, because they believe honestly that they're one gender when they're really not. And it, it's kind of like you're trying to get me to believe something that really isn't there. But what struck me about Hans Christian Andersen and his, in this parable is that he chose a minister to be the first person to go and be the voice, be the, the one to go back to confirm to the emperor what was really true. And the minister bit and decided that if he told the emperor the truth, that there was nothing there, that he would look like the fool because the swindler's lies were so brilliant. They were brilliant. I bring this up because the parallels to today in our media, it's uncanny. You can watch the media and know that they're lying and yet believe it. And because everybody else says that, well, this is true, then you just kind of cheer on and go, yeah, 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 it's true. But if you actually state the truth like the child did, unlike in the parable, the whole world isn't going to applaud you and, and come to your point of view. You, you will be mocked and ridiculed because of that. And I just think it's interesting that Hans Christian Andersen had the child tell the truth. And then I was telling Randall before the show that I wonder if the, the scripture he had in mind when he wrote that had to do with when Jesus said a little child would lead them. Um, I don't know, Randall, now you've heard the, the story again. What, what are your thoughts, having, having just heard it again afresh for, for a long time ago? I guess, when was the last time you heard this? Uh, golly, I don't know, decades ago? Yes. Many decades ago. Of course, minister in this case, I was looking at some other like translations, because I'm pretty sure Hans uh, wrote it in... Um, it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But he was Dutch, I believe, so... I don't know, some Germanic language. Anyway, minister could be like prime minister or, you know, in in countries that have parliament instead of, you know, Congress here. You know, and the member of that is a, a is an MP, a minister of parliament. So minister is not necessarily, oh, huh. but but it might as well be. <laughs> given today yeah uh, when you look at the you know mainline churches especially you know in canada and i know if we're talking about canada we're not going to be talking about the state of the church i don't know you may or may not talk about the state of the church in canada but um yeah i think of a lot of mainline denominations uh here in the u.s have bought into the the whole a lie. Yeah, LGBTQ, LMNOP, yeah, kind of stuff, and celebrate it. So just on another topic, though, how are you feeling after having interviewed me for my book? Just curious. I got some good feedback from people. Well, at least I don't have you asking me about, or, you know, asking me to interview you anymore. <laughs> so I feel I feel relieved that I don't have to do it anymore because I've done it. <laughs> No, um, yeah, I'm, I feel pretty much like me. Good. Well, I want to let everybody know, if you missed last week's show, my husband interviewed me about my brand new book, Pickleball Faith, Inspiration on and Off the Court. And yes, I have to keep promoting it. I got to let you know a couple of things. Some exciting stuff is happening. God is doing, a, you know, God is, God cracks me up. First of all, I have some people who want to bring this book to the Philippines. I have some pastors that want to use it um, to minister to people at, at pickleball tournaments, um, which is two things I didn't see coming. Um, I would also say that we have released this book on Kindle, and you can get it on Kindle. You can also get it through my website, BibleNewsRadio.com. Just go to the pickleball tab there. Um, we will have autographed 
autographed copies available soon through our website. So if you, you want one, just, you know, can contact us, let, let us know. Um, and of course you can go read some of the reviews over on Amazon. These are not paid reviews. <laughs> they're genuine people who've read the book. Some of them actually aren't even pickleball players and they're really enjoying it. So, um, I hope that if you're, yeah, if you're sick of hearing me talk about pickleball faith, well, now it's bad. It's out. You can go read it. <laughs> And actually, my friend, Dr. Jennifer Fee, has already done an interview with me. I have another interview coming up on TV in a couple of weeks that I, I can tell you about later once it's taped. And um, there will be a couple more uh, interviews about the book as well, just so you know. I, uh, though, want to bring up first, Randall brought up Canada. So there's actually a couple of things. There's some, a lot of stuff happening in Canada. Um, in fact, some of my friends who I play pickleball with who live in Canada, uh, they're here right now in, in, in uh, Spring Hill in my city, and I've played them recently, and I always say, hey, Canada, it's Canada against the United States. Who's going to win? <laughs> Me, America. But uh, anyway, all joking aside, um, my friends are very concerned about what's going on in Canada because there's a ton of stuff happening in Canada. I will tell you that the majority of the true church in Canada has actually gone underground there. You cannot do anything um, like you can here in America. And, you know, I've known and I've talked about this for a long time, but what happens in Canada comes to America, Right. And so we are seeing the truckers and this massive freedom rally taking place in Canada. But the first thing we want to share with you is um, a short video. It's it's over on Twitter right now as of right now is the time of me recording this. It's got close to a million views. This this does. Um, and this is from the premier um, from Premier Scott Moe, he is giving an announcement regarding the vaccination, the negative test requirements, um, and some other things that have been going on there. And I will tell you, my friends, this is straight from people, friends of mine in, who are Canadians, they told me that they are mandated to get vaccinated. They cannot do anything. They can't buy anything. They can't travel. They cannot do anything without being vaccinated. And they they make this, this is a mandated thing that they have to do every single year. Um, but that could be coming to an end because people in Canada um, are finally um, standing up. So here is the first video we're going to show you, and then we're going to play another one uh, that I think is even more powerful. But this is the result kind of of the first video. But go ahead, take it away. Not be vaccinated. Let's not judge our neighbor if they should choose to wear a mask or not to choose to wear a mask in the weeks ahead. Whenever someone is doing their own personal risk assessment, which we have asked them to do in this province for a period of time now, uh, they're doing that assessment for themselves, possibly for their family, and they may come back with a, a different decision than what you might uh, arrive at. And that different conclusion, albeit maybe different from where you have landed, should not be judged. It should be respected and it should be accepted. It's time for each of us as individuals now to make a conscious effort to treat everyone in our daily lives that we encounter equally. It's also time for the proof of vaccination mandate to end. So effective at midnight this Sunday, February the 13th, all provincial proof of vaccination requirements will end. In Saskatchewan businesses, in venues and provincially regulated workplaces, this means that the proof of vaccination or the negative test option that we had provided will no longer be a provincial requirement. Starting on Valentine's Day, February the 14th, um, this will be the case. This will leave one remaining COVID measure in place, and that is indoor masking. That measure remains in effect until the end of February. So there you go. I mean, this is just the beginning, though. This is the beginning of what some of the pressure, the freedom drivers um, have been doing there in Canada. And you know what? Praise God for these people. You know why? Because Canada has been under this, uh, um, I'm going to say, oppression from their socialist government for a very long time. Um, and, you, you know, you want to talk, talk about, you know, a country that used to be free, having their rights being taken away. Um, this is just a little bit of the good news 
that's coming from that. I don't know, Randall, if you wanted to comment about that or not, but let me know what you think. I think that, yeah, it starts with one, you know, instead of, instead of just a street kind of grassroots, this is one province uh, yeah. in the country that's saying, we're done with these. You know, y'all do what you want. But uh, as for this province, Saskatchewan, we're, we're eliminating these things by the end of the month. And it's too bad they just couldn't do it all at once, like right then and there. But, but yeah, still, but, at least they're doing something. Yeah, I'm just kind of interested in what will come out of it. You know, we kind of have some different things by state going on here. But with some federal things still in play, if you're, you know, if you work for a federal contract or whatever, then they have to do the federal mandates. But imagine a state, let's see, something like Saskatchewan, um, that's primarily, a lot of it's agricultural. Um, not totally, but um, I'm trying to think of, I don't know, Missouri or something like that. <laughs> you know, Indiana said, you know what, we're done. We're not going to even observe the federal things. Uh, you know, if that, something like that, I just kind of how that'd play out. And so we've got Canada, which is, um, uh, you know, primarily more of, um, I think, tends to be a little more unified than the United States. Mm-hmm. And so one of the for one of the provinces there um, to say, you know, we're done with the federal mandates. That's it's. It's exciting to see what will come out of that. Yeah, it is. So the um, okay, so the other piece that we want to show you, and that was on Disclosed TV. Um, this is called the Great Canadian Freedom Convoy, and this is ba- this is about three and a half minutes. I don't know if YouTube's going to flag us or not for this, but we'll find out. Um, this has got probably over a million views on it. Um, well, no, not quite. Depend. It looks like it's close to 100,000 views on, on Facebook, but I don't know how many times it's been shared out. But what I do know is that I heard from my friends in Canada who are here that they saw a big part of this on their way here. Um, and this is what the mainstream liberal media is not going to show you. This is why alternative media is so important. Um, you can't be getting um, your news just from the the liberal media. In fact, I will say this too. This is an interesting thing. Um, I will say that a um, transgender pickleball player who shall remain nameless, I just found out about this person, um, actually is supporting this himself, right? Um, Because he's in in Canada and he was talking about how he's scared. This is a, a woman. It's actually a man identifying as a woman i'm referring to him as he but anyway point is that it's not just so-called conservatives who are um supporting this freedom convoy people who understand what's really at stake here in canada they're standing up and they're rising up so check out this video it's about three and a half minutes We have one of the biggest revolutions happening. Right now there's 50,000 truckers and about 1.4 million people headed to the parliament in Ottawa and they're going to stay there until Trudeau resigns or they give us back all of our freedoms and rights. Every overpass is packed with Canadians. Look at this right here. Every single one of you truckers and every single one of you Canadians that 
for supporting this group. This is not a fringe. We will not be divided. We stand together. We will win this country back. I was at a point where I was giving up on Canada, and you guys have given me hope. You guys are giving us strength. You guys are keeping us going. And wow, we are one big team, one big national team. The entire world is watching us. I firmly believe this is our last stand, and we are not coming home until you are all free. minority holding unacceptable uh, views uh, that they're expressing do not represent the views of Canadians. In the last six years, Trudeau has changed the face of this country. So that's what brought me here. We are all Canadians, we are all Trekkers. Sorry about the, some of those bad words that you might have seen there, but you know what? That's what a revolution uh, looks like. And I have to tell you, my grandfather on my dad's side, when he left France, he came, he went to Quebec, Canada. Uh, so I actually have family who are Canadian who never came down to America. I just happened to be one of the ones that ended up in America. Um, Randall, did you want to weigh in on this? Because that was a powerful video, and I thought the editing was great. The music was great. It was, ah, oh, Canada. It was it was great. I thought it was oh, great. Oh, Canada. Um, I really liked the uh, the clip that they had in, of Trudeau, and they're talking about a fringe minority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, um, I mean, we've never seen anything like that in the U.S., at least in recent, recent years. I mean, um, you know, we've seen the, uh, you know, Million Man March on, you know, D.C., uh, which I don't think was a million. Uh, you know, the crowd gathered by uh, Martin right. Luther King Jr. was, I think, a larger crowd than more recent, um, you know, rallies and stuff. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think we've ever seen, you know, truckers from across the country go to Washington, D.C. You know, the, all these truckers went to the, basically the country capital in Ottawa and uh, jammed the streets up, trucks and people, you know, fringe minority. And it, it's great to see, you know, because in while so many are looking at the emperor's new clothes, yep. <laughs> you know, Say no, yeah, it's all great, you know, it's all wonderful. I don't want to look like an idiot. Uh, I'll go with the the science that's changing, right? <laughs> Whatever. And but in these countries where it's gotten just a little out of hand, like Australia, yep, people taking to the streets and big. And uh, yet, big we're not seeing protests. a lot of that because I was certainly not on the mainstream media. No, right. And then you know, this this freedom convoy in Canada, it's it's exciting. I, I'm I'm encouraged, you know. No matter what goes down in the future, you know, I know there's a one world government coming at some point, whether it's five years away, fifty years away, five hundred years away. I don't know. Right. God only knows. But I'm pleased to see that, despite what the narrative is, in the mainstream, there are enough freedom-loving people who aren't, like you say, aren't all conservatives. Right. You know, there aren't some people, just freedom-loving people. This is, this is, this has gone too far and they've taken to the street. So it's pretty exciting that 
I feel like I'm I'm not alone. You know why? Because I think it's exciting because you got people who are doing what God wanted us to do, and that is to live in freedom. Yeah. Right. Um, it's natural to be in bondage. It's supernatural to be free. Yeah. And um, not that we're free to sin; that grace may abound. But right. But these people are standing up for that. And I will share with you, I didn't send you this article, but I'm going to, uh, my friend John, um, he posted about this on um, Facebook a couple days ago. And I want to, I'm going to share, I'm going to share this story with you because I think that this is part of the reason what's going on in Canada is so important and why we need to be vigilant here in America. Uh, this was, this is published over on zerohedge.com and it's titled Boston man kicked off heart transplant list for not being vaccinated. Okay. In Canada, they have socialized medicine, right? And some, uh, some Canadians I've talked to think this is a good thing. It depends, right? Well, listen to this. This is a, this is in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. It says here. A Boston man has been shunted from the top of a heart transplant list with doctors saying that it's because he refused to take the COVID vaccine and thus have, have less chance of survival. Uh, CBS Boston reports that DJ Ferguson was on the waiting list to receive a heart at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, but has since take, been taken off of it. Ferguson's father told reporters that the COVID vaccine is a kind of against his basic principles. He doesn't believe in it. It's policy they are enforcing. And so because he won't get the shot, they took him off the list for the heart transplant. My son has gone to the edge of death to stick to his guns, and he's been pushed to the limit, Mr. Ferguson added. We are aggressively pursuing all options, but we're running out of time, he continued, adding, I think my boy is fighting pretty damn courageously and he has integrity and principles he really believes in and that makes me respect him all the more it's his body it's his choice now paul joseph watson who is with prison planet which is part of the alex jones thing he he um tweeted remember when they claim quote death panels unquote or a conspiracy theory that would never happen uh well Hospital removes dying father of two, 31 years old, from the top of a heart transplant list because he's not vaccinated. Um, I'm going to just go on here and just summarize this up. Basically, part of the re aside from the fact that he's not vaccinated, but here's the other part. His doctor actually told him he was at a higher risk to get the vaccine because one of the big side effects of the vaccine is pericarditis, which is the enlargement of the heart. Um which if that happened to this guy and he did this, it could kill him even quicker. So, you know, anyway, they have a GoFundMe campaign. Um, as of right now, they're, they're trying to raise $125,000. They're at uh, almost 94000 so they're doing pretty good there. But the point is, is this is America. This is happening in America. What is what is that hundred twenty five thousand going to get him? Well, it's going to help cover his medical bills and things like that. And if he dies, it'll go to help take care of the family. Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know. So yeah, but Randall, this is happening in America. Yeah, I know. Okay, I mean, um, it, to me, that is just con con. Completely. Yeah, he we, he was unconscionable. He was at the top of the list. It's not like right. It's like well, because uh, because your survivability is not good. Uh, you know, you're not a high priority. He was at the top of the list, and then it's like, oh, you're not vaccinated. Well, that disqualifies you. Right. You can't be. So what? <laughs> whatever was his qualification before is now suddenly undone discarded uh, but this is part of what canada's fighting against yeah okay so don't miss that i mean look these evildoers who are coming after us they want to kill you okay i've said it before i'll say it again this covid19 thing is a big con it doesn't mean that covid19 itself isn't real it is real <laughs> but when you look at the survival rate it's 
whatever percent survivable. Okay. Um, and even the Omicron virus, all that, whatever, all the mutant stuff. And here's the thing that scares me is that most people that I know who've gotten vaccinated have gotten re-sick again. The vaccine isn't designed to protect you. I mean, I'm sorry if you've been vaccinated and you you had to do it. That's one thing. If you're somebody who's like, I have to because I believe this is protecting you. It's not. It's not. It's not protecting you. Look at, look at the data. And not only that, I will tell you that this show is probably going to be flagged by YouTube and I'm going to end up getting a strike on my channel. But I will say that most of my friends that when they've seen the damage done to them or a loved one, they will not get any more shots. And, you know, um, Pastor Billy Crone, he's out there. He's been putting up updates about this. And one of the things that he's talking about is one of their long-term plans is that two or three down, two or three years down the road, you're going to see even more people die because of the vaccination. <sighs> All right, let's switch that from this topic to the homosexual lobby. Okay, now there's an article that is over on The Advocate, which is a homosexual uh, publication. Um, I hate going to this website and I, I just hate it because it's just so filthy and disgusting. But there is a story titled A Gay Man Burned a Bible in Protest at a Tennessee Book Burning. Um, and we're not going to play the video on purpose because it's I don't want you to, to hear what this guy is saying, but I will just read it. And I will say right now that the pastor in this story, that is the one who is the one who's controversial. Um, whereas I understand his passion and I think that, you know, he, he understands scripture mostly that what it's saying, I think his approach is completely ungodly and, and not loving at all. And so I don't support him at all. And what he's doing here, just so you know. So this article says anti-LGBTQ plus pastor Greg Locke, which you may have heard of, uh, held a book burning in Tennessee last week where he burned books, including Harry Potter and Twilight, to, quote, deliver, unquote, his flock from demons. But as it turns out, he wasn't the only one throwing some books on the pyre that night. In a video posted on YouTube, Chris Harden and his husband, the couple arrived at the book burning with a protest in mind. Harden's husband can be seen throwing a Bible on the fire and yelling, Hail Satan. It, it took him shouting, I burned a Bible several times before they stopped cheering and realized they'd been had. Harden wrote in the caption for the video, attendees threw books into the fire as other congregants looked on cheering and blowing air horns. Harden's husband joined in and informed the crowd of what, of what he, he had done. I burned the Bible, he said to the cheering group, keeping my copies of Darwin's Origin of Species in Fahrenheit 451. When the crowd realized what he was saying, they suddenly turned on him and started demanding he leave with several men attempting to escort Harden and his husband off the premises. Once they reached their car, the couple staged one more protest as they shared a kiss to the cries of horror from those surrounding the vehicle. They aggressively threw us out, but we had a chance to discuss them with a kiss before we left, wrote Harden. Commenters on the video praised the couple's bravery, honest regardless of however you feel about this move that guy has balls of steel and is very brave for doing that wrote one the f word respect that was an act of power and courage wrote another after leaving the book burning the couple headed across the street to join a group of atheist and pagan counter protesters who, who were playing highway to hell and watching a harry potter movie via a projector um you know, <laughs> this is what I love about America. You know, <laughs> in America, apparently you can book burn, you know, and you can have people crash your book burning and burn the Bible at the same time that, you know, uh, <laughs> they're doing. And I, I just, um, I think the pastor is misguided. Uh, and honestly, I can understand why the homosexuals did what they did. This pastor egged him on for, for one. Um, but Randall, what do you think? I mean, I just see this as a bunch of babies throwing a big temper tantrums myself. But it's so stupid. Yeah. That I mean, there is a biblical precedent for, for book burning. We read that in the in book. Acts. of Yes. Right. right. I know. And and I don't know. If, it probably wasn't. Uh, it wasn't 
probably hyped and orchestrated the way this thing was. Of course, we didn't have mass media back in uh, those well, days. Well, I can tell but, you that the friendly atheist on Twitter happens to follow Greg Locke on Twitter and point out everything that he does. So I wouldn't be surprised that the friendly atheist helped get some publicity for the guy. Um, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, so, I mean, it was, it was as yeah. I, I don't follow him, but uh, I heard about it somewhere. I think I can't remember. It just came up in conversation. Someone was aware about it. So before it happened, so uh, obviously it was well publicized, probably intentional publicity and, you know, counter publicity. Yeah. Um, it's here in Mount Juliet. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, yeah, I, I get, you know, I get the, the motivation, uh, of book burning. Um, but, um, yeah, we don't really know how the, you know, incident in acts went down. Uh, it seemed more like it was more of a grassroots kind of thing. Those are practice managed by their books and, you know, they, it wasn't, it was something, it wasn't whipped up by you know one of the apostles or or you know it's like hey come on this is a book i don't there's nothing in the in the account that leads me to believe it was that kind of thing whether it was uh it was a leader led you know a church leader led event and so what tiny little bit i know about greg Locke. um He's he's an attention seeker, um, yeah. And this is just one of those things, and and yeah, and um, you know, I'm not condemn anybody for burning the Bible. I mean, that's between them and God, um, you know. And I don't expect unbelievers to behave like believers. Uh, those who are outside the the but fellowship you, believe God judges. But do you think that Pastor Greg Locke burning Harry Potter and all that? Do you think? I mean, do you think that that's stupid or what? I don't. I don't think it's stupid. I mean, <laughs> I. I don't see the value of those books to believers. Harry Potter, talking about witchcraft, or Twilight and vampires. Right, there's and, no you know. value to most stuff out there. I right. mean, you um, can burn pickleball faith. What's the value of my book? You know. Well, there are some spiritual lessons that's in there. That's true. Don't burn my book, people. Um, that would hurt my feelings. <laughs> and. And you know there are there are you know self-identified believers who love horror films and things like that. Me, I just don't. I don't. You know, all things are lawful, but and not all, all things, things are, are profitable. profitable. Right. And I just don't see see the benefit, especially spiritually benefit, in celebrating things that are wicked and demonic in yeah. nature. What I would say, uh, witchcraft and and vampires. I mean, the, those I look at is, I mean, that's a witchcraft and right. But what I would say, honestly, if y'all out there want to learn about Satanism and a proper way to engage in spiritual warfare, follow the teachings of Pastor Billy Crone. Oh. He's doing a whole series on Satanism yeah. that is very worth watching. I love him. He is probably one of the most solid Bible teachers out there. He documents what he talks about. He's not a sensationalist. And you'll learn a lot, you know. Um, Greg Locke needs some therapy, in my opinion. But with that said, let's go ahead and talk now about this article, Florida Bill um, Committee. Okay, so there's a Florida bill that just passed the Florida State, the, the Florida Senate Education Committee passed a controversial bill on Tuesday, that was yesterday, that would bar school districts from encouraging classroom discussion about sexual orientation or gender identity. The Parental Rights in Education Bill, commonly referred to as the Don't Say Gay Bill by its critics, would apply to such topics in primary grade levels as well as in cases where the discussions are deemed not age appropriate. Now I'm going to just say a couple words here. Okay. Um, 
and this may surprise you, <laughs> but I'm just going to say this. It's too late. It's too late. I appreciate that the, that the Republican state Senator Dennis Baxley, that's apparently who he is. He's the one that proposed this bill. I would give him a good bless your heart, you know, um, it says here that his bill, the proposed bill, would extend to, to student support services, including counseling, would require school district personnel to give parents all information related to a student's, quote, mental, emotional, and physical health or well-being unless it's believed that such disclosure would result in abuse. Parents would be able to sue districts and do not follow these requirements, blah, blah, blah. It's too late. I don't know. Call me a pessimist, but it's too pessimist, late. Pessimist, but. Okay. Well, it's too late. Too late. You know what? The LGBT lobby has already indoctrinated your children and your grandchildren. It's happened. You're not going to flip it over. It's not going to happen. Call me a a curmudgeon and like, you know, this is ridiculous. But first of all, this bill isn't even going to pass. So we should just roll over and play dead? When it comes to this, it? when it comes to this issue, the legis- proposing legislation, in my opinion, isn't the answer. But, yeah, Be- I, because, uh, because it's going to take too long. Number one, it's taken forever as it is, and uh, number two, parents need to be indoctrinating their children in the Word of God. That's what they need to be doing. I agree. They need it, to be. It's, it's a little bit too late. Need to be Deuteronomy that would be six like, parents. You know, I mean, we have homosexual marriage um, deemed constitutional by a wicked supreme court okay you know these people the those lobbyists who believe everything that they believe they are not going to stop trying to indoctrinate your your kids in this little bill in florida and i am a christian saying this i'm just saying it's 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 too late it is too late give it up i don't expect it to send ripples throughout culture. Yep. Well. But I don't think there's anything wrong with making a statement. Uh, making a statement in the state legislature. Yeah, it's probably not going to get out of committee. It's that's, you know, past that committee. But if it gets to the floor there, yeah, I, I doubt that it's going to pass. But, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with making a statement especially if a lot of constituents get behind it again i don't i'd be amazed if if it passed really made a difference but i'm i'm really okay with proposing it i mean well i mean they can propose it all they want but i think it's a little too late i'm not i'm not i i I hear you yeah but i'm not i'm not gonna go America's going to be bored again. It's going to be saved again. There's going to be a big revival. I don't believe that's going to happen. And but, I know there's but, believers out there who are like totally against what I just said. And you can feel that way if you want, but I shall believe it when I see it, which I will not see in my lifetime, yeah, I believe, because if, I've been fighting this battle for almost 25 years, going on 25 years. It's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And, you know. Yeah, but um, maybe I'm a middle-aged curmudgeon, but yeah, but I I'm all for going down, <laughs> going down, standing in the right place. So yeah, bless uh, bless the state senator Dennis Baxley for putting that forward. Uh, you know, it's like, well, my house is burning down, so I'm not going to try to save anything out of it. So didn't well, Leonard Ravenhill basically make the comment that, hey, you know what? Sometimes doing certain things like this is trying like to straighten a picture in a burning down house. house. Right. right. So Leonard Ravenhill, you don't know who he was. He was kind of like a fire and brimstone preacher of old. Oh. Um, it's too late. Our country mm-hmm. has gone to hell in a handbasket. We're, we're China's play toy let's put it that way Uh, and when it comes to immorality hello we're the ones that pervade the the sexual immorality all over the world is because of us in this country you know if america is going to have true revival it's going to have to begin with the church and the church is going to have to repent i agree it's not going to happen in the state house or the right so or the house of representatives uh but yeah, I'm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna condemn. I'm not condemning the guy. I'm just saying that it's. It's just. It's kind of a little too late, in my I'm, opinion. It's I'm, just my I'm, opinion. I'm giving a thumbs up. You know, just for. 
And I'm not. Just, I'm giving it to, like, eh, it's just, too late. Just, just to make a statement. I mean, all these other folks can come in with their wild... Uh, we need to, you know, like, you know, we need to celebrate the gender identity of endangered tortoises or whatever, you know, some, some of the stuff, that, <laughs> some of the stuff that shows up in the California legislature, it's, it's not just left. It's just like, I don't, right. I don't know, you know, well, they, they can introduce those bills. So why not a, a, a common sense, reasonable bill that says, these topics are not age appropriate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get it. It's just, it's okay. We live in Tennessee, yeah. right? Now you've heard that there, there's been a legislature guy. Can't, I can't think of his name at the top of your head, but I can Google it. Who has been trying to get the state of Tennessee to make the Bible the, the state, state book. book. Yeah. Do you know how many times he's tried to do that in the Bible belt in Tennessee? I, I don't know. Numerous times. Has it no. passed yet? No. Okay, why? Tennessee is in the middle of the Bible. We're the most well, Christian state in the Union, Tennessee is, don't if, you think? Yeah. We have Precept <laughs> Ministries here and Bible <laughs> News Radio. Heart Tug International is uh, here in Tennessee. Yeah. And we so, can't get the mayor or the whoever he is to say sign off on the Bible being the state's book. Give me a break. So. <laughs> I, I hear you, but... <laughs> it's just, it's my... But there's nothing wrong with... Taking a stand, even if you're alone. Okay, I believe in taking a stand. Duh, hello. I've done that for years. And I will just end the show this way by, by saying, look, bless your heart. If you're, <laughs> trying to, if you're trying to take a stand, I think the best stand here. Come here, I'll tell you. I'll take a breath. Okay. The best stand that you can take as a believer is on your knees. Okay. You get on your knees. You pray, you repent of your sin, you get right with God, and then you take what you learn from God by reading his word daily, and you go disciple people. You know, Christians are not about saving the culture. We're supposed to be called to go out and to be make disciples. When the church does that, then the culture will change because you'll Amen. have enough disciples out there doing it. That is my problem. And look, I'm part of the problem. I was part of the problem for many years doing that, doing my show, right? I jumped on this whole bandwagon. I, you know, I did the whole thing. That's why I'm telling you why I'm telling you what I'm telling you now, because I had to repent of that and go, look, Lord, look, you know what? I wasn't putting you first. I was putting politics first. Look, God tells us to go, therefore, into all the world and to make disciples, right? That's part of the reason I wrote my book, Pickleball Faith. <laughs> and that's part of the reason why I advocate Bible reading every day, right? Because I know the power of God's word. In fact, you know, I, I was so blessed. And I'll just I'll, I know I got like about a minute left, but I was so blessed. Um, a friend of mine recently uh, was, was praying for me. And her and I, we were talking and about some things I'm dealing with. And at the end of, of her prayer, she actually prayed this. And I was, it, it tickled me. She, she prayed, Lord, thank you. And continue to have Stacy walk in your ways. And I thought, that is right out of Psalm 119. Blessed is he whose way is blameless, who walks in the ways of the Lord. Blessed is he who observes your testimonies you know, and keeps him with all your heart. He also does no unrighteousness. He walks in his ways and so on and so on and so on. That's, we are living epistles today and that's how we change the culture. Yes, God places us everywhere, but sometimes we just have to say, look, take the Bible out of the burning building and run someplace else. That burning, that, that thing is is burning right it's more important right now in my opinion to go and save souls than it is to save the country i'll just leave it there right if you like what we do go to biblenewsradio.com donate to the show and um, support what we do tell a friend about it and come back next week all right because lord willing we'll be here unless the rapture takes place which would be super awesome so uh remember we seek our goal is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time, not one bill at a time, one verse at a time. 
All right. So we'll see you soon. 